Welcome to the Mortcast, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wanzi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, if you're not going to go down there, this, I mean, I don't know if any of you looked outside, but the weather's actually perfect, and it'd be a good time to kind of get your butt down there to the dairy block and sit outside while it's still warmish and uh, have yourself some wine. But if you don't want to do that, they're always online at pfwdenver.com, and they got what you need right there. They got uh, a whole, their entire uh, selection of wines that aren't local Colorado stuff. For the local Colorado stuff, you got to go to Blanchard Family Wines. I've been getting this question a lot. Uh, the local Colorado partnerships, which is Coltaris, uh, uh, Restoration, Storm Cellars, and a few others, um, those are exclusive to um, the the location. Uh, they also have a location in California, too, and I, I don't want to neglect them, but um, the, the two locations, I'm assuming you're in Denver, uh, go to Blanchard Family Wines to pick up the local Colorado Fair. But if you want some of that Sonoma County grapes and you want some of that wine, I highly suggest getting that uh, 2017 Cabernet or uh, the Blake Street Blend, which is done from Colorado grapes, but uh, bottled and manufactured by Blanchard. There go to bfwdenver.com, kind of, Work yourself a virtual wine tasting, which with winter coming up, uh, that's highly, highly popular. But uh, if you want to do something like book yourself a table or pick yourself up some swag, get yourself a bottle. It's all right there on bfwdenver.com. They're also on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th. And Blake NYZ in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Go to bfwdenver.com to pick yourself up a wine bottle, to book yourself a virtual wine tastings, pick yourself up some swag, or book yourself a table. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, this is a regular Mortcast today. I got the the week all planned out. Tomorrow I'm recording a podcast with a um, a friend of mine who wrote a great article that was kind of a big sensation last week, and I'd, uh, would, I'm going to talk to him about that and stuff about uh, just his life and reporting and stuff like that. So we'll be talking to him tomorrow. And Thursday is going to be an outside cast. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm doing with Gen X show yet. Um, I'm going to be recording a bunch of movie uh, retrospective podcasts, um, but I haven't got those done yet, so those will probably be all released in tranches and stuff like that. So anyway, that's the schedule for this week. Uh, I kind of want to talk today. I did watch that debacle that was the Broncos game yesterday, and I don't often do this because I, I just every time I talk about the Broncos, I, I just get depressed, and it's mostly because. You know, for a town that's completely obsessed with the Denver Broncos, it's this. It, it becomes reductive to talk about them because it's just everyone else does. And not only that, it, there's just a whole bunch of flaws with this team that are really, really hard to get by and have been since the first game of the season, even though the Broncos are now 3 and 1 after losing to the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. And I kind of want to just throw this there to you. Um, I want to compare the coaching of Vic Fangio and his staff to 
Michael Malone and his. Now, before I get too deep into it, let me explain something. Uh, I have been, and I've been one of the outliers in Denver media, I've been very critical of Michael Malone in a sense that I want him to be better. Um, there, Michael Malone had, when he, believe it or not, when he came over from Sacramento, he had a bunch of flaws. Um, much of those had to do with his hot-headedness, which is still a problem, but not as bad as it used to be. And I've had this belief that hot-headed coaches tend to not last long in the league because they either leave with health problems or they burn out players. It's generally the way things have gone with coaches that are just too temperamental. And Michael Malone has done a decent job of working on it. He still does his rage timeouts. He, he sometimes gets far too emotional after post-game. I mean, I've, I've said this before. Post-game press conferences in the NBA are almost worthless because most coaches are too emotional. But Michael Malone, you just can't take anything he says post-game as, a, as gospel because often he will have time to get away from the, the, the game and he'll have better reflection. That's why practice Malone was much better than, and still is, much better than post-game alone. Um, this is absolutely, n- nothing has changed there. But this team, the, the Nuggets have been shepherded by stability. And as much as my criticisms of Michael Malone have been, um, I, I, while I don't think he is a perfect coach, he has been very good at stability. And kind of that comes from the top of the organization from Josh Kroenke, uh, who is the person who runs the Nuggets, by the way. That's just, that's a subject for another podcast. That's a subject for another podcast, but we'll get into that. Um, they, from that, from Josh to Tim Connolly to Calvin Booth to all this, there's stability. You know, I talked to Tim Connolly about it, and I said, what's it like having, you know, isn't it, is it comforting to have the same guys with you um, through most of your time being GM. I mean, that is that is invaluable. Um, all the, a lot of front offices are plagued by huge turnover, and the Nuggets have been remarkably consistent, aside from Arturis Karnasovas leaving for, to uh, run the Chicago Bulls. This front office, with some very, very small um exceptions has been really been the same. The main players have been the same. And that goes down to Michael Malone, who is, I mean, other than assistance, which has been an issue with him, um, he, and has actually been better the last several years, he has been a remarkably consistent coach. Um, And that consistency really helps if you're going to build a team. You know, it's hard to compare NFL and NBA because it's just a different. The, the player setup, you, you have more intimate relationships with players in the NBA. You don't have that in the NFL. It is impossible to have an intimate relationship with uh, over 50 players. You just can't do it. A lot of times a coach will be kind of unfamiliar with certain players because the rosters are just so big. The people who have intimate relationships with the players is uh, his assistant coaches, and in the second half of the podcast, I will get into that in greater detail, particularly with, uh, 
particularly with when it comes to Pat Shermer. Um, but, you know, Michael Malone has been able to impart the stability and, you know, and his ability to, for as flawed as he can be is on the emotional front, he, he's got an ability to, I say emotional front, but, you know, you, knowing what my criticisms have been of Michael Malone, um, he's been able to connect with players, and the proof is in the pudding. The Nuggets have been a successful team the last three years, uh, largely because of Malone's ability to guide the ship such as it is, and that's invaluable. You know, general competence from your from your head coach, regardless of the sport, is 100% essential. If you can't get that just baseline level of competence, um, you're going to be sunk. You're going to be screwed. And to be honest with you, Michael Malone has excelled in that area, and to his credit, he has gotten better every year. Um, his first couple of years, he was extremely hot-headed, couldn't, uh, I, I would say he had moments where he actually cost the team games in the first two seasons. Um, he could get out of his own way. And that's one of the things that kind of followed him throughout his career. And he has, to his undying credit, made it 100% effort to improve in that area and to be more um, straight, straight lined, you know, which is really what you need from a coach. You know, a coach can get angry for affectation purposes. You know, Popovich does that, but you know, although Popovich does, you know, kind of get out of control at times, but there is this baseline right there that never really deviates very high or very low. And uh, my one of my big things with Malone was that the team would ride his emotional wave and it would affect everything. And he has gotten a lot better at doing that. Subsequently, he has become a better coach. Um, and the journey with that has been remarkable. And it helped that he was, he's in his forties or he's about, I think he's about 50 now. Um, and he started off as a relatively quote unquote young coach. And he was able to grow into what he is now you know, and a guy who has the trust of Nikola Jokic, a guy who has the trust of Jamal Murray, the guy, a guy who, you know, has this ability to connect with those, specifically those two players is invaluable on a roster that's only 15 to 17 players at any one time uh, on the court. And quite frankly, you're only playing eight or nine, generally. Um, with the Nuggets, sometimes it's ten. So it's just you—you you have to be, have those be able to communicate with your players. It's not always going to be working, but at least they, you would—you would hope if you are managing to hold your temperament, you are, that you are able to connect with these players. And Michael Malone has been able to do this. And plus, his assistant coaches—I mean, Wes Unsell Jr. left to, to, to be a head coach somewhere else. Um, Wes, uh, the last, particularly the last three years, the assistant coaches have done, it served him relatively well. I have my issues with David Adelman in for terms of what he's done on offense, but I think since he has the ear of Nikola Jokic the most, obviously there's a level of trust there, and that trust expands out 
and it kind of filters from there. So in the baseline here, we're talking about general competence between Michael Malone and what's going on in Denver uh, with the Broncos, excuse me, in Denver, uh, with the Broncos, is that there is a trust level with the players that I actually, from what I saw of the game yesterday, that doesn't exist between Fangio and particularly his offensive players. Um, and in particular, his Bivia, his uh, lead assistant coach, the uh, the uh, uh, offensive coordinator, um, uh, Pat Shermer, there is a nexus of of less than competent approach coming via those two. And on the other side of my DraftKings read, I will talk to you about what the problems are with your Denver Broncos and why it doesn't matter who is quarterbacking this team is until they get this fixed, it ain't going to work. All right. I'd like to talk to you about DraftKings. It's got a new promo for this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL has a week five offer. Every football fan should jump on new customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Last 0-0 zero, zero tie in the NFL was 1943, so I'd say uh, this is a, probably a no-brainer, and this is very true. Uh, you don't see 0-0 zero, zero ties. Uh, DraftKings customers can also get a skin, get skin in the game with the new same-game parlays. I told you about this last week and the week before. Um, combine multiple bets from same game, from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet just one dollar on any any NFL game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a point. God, I'm reading this terribly. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's promo code MHS. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, now we have come to the point where I want to make about the Denver Broncos. Um, a lot of you who listen to this probably aren't Broncos fans, but if you are, um, my relationship with the Broncos has lessened de- considerably um, the last 23 years. Uh, basically, ever since they won their first Super Bowl in 1990, January 1998. I, I just, once they kind of reached the top of the mountain, my caring diminished. Um, and it's reached the point where now where I'm kind of an apathetic fan. I'm a fan still, but I'm apathetic. But... When I see games like yesterday, and after what has been established that the Broncos were riding high on beating three absolutely atrocious opponents, two of which had rookie quarterbacks, um, then you start to think, like, oh, the Broncos were riding on fool's gold. And if you talk to people in, who are in the relatively close to the Broncos and the media sphere and all that stuff, Fangio and Shermer were writing, were, were putting everything on the first three games of the season because they knew these they were weak opponents, and 
there should have been a bit of a red flag in game two where the Broncos in the first half and into the third quarter were really struggling with a really a terrible Jaggers team. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great quarterback, but he's got a terrible coach. Um, Urban Meyer is a college coach, and this is one of those axioms that are true. Uh, college coaches don't often translate very well to the NFL because of the level of control that college coaches have. And coaching, you know, Trevor Lawrence will turn into the guy because if you saw him play Joe Burrow uh, in that Thursday night football game, you saw two quarterbacks that were the future of the NFL. That's not so for the Denver Broncos. Uh, As good as Teddy Bridgewater was in the first three games, uh, you saw a quarterback in the first half of this last game finally playing a, a, a good opponent that looked exactly like he had always done in his career. A very conservative quarterback, a guy who checks down all the time, and if his run game is not working, and with the Broncos' run game was working, by the way, in the first half, and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, he's just going to mediocre your way to eight wins. Is is really that that is Teddy Bridgewater? Drew Locke came in the second half, and, and and quite frankly, he proved himself to be what we always thought he was a a perennial backup quarterback. It's like, I'm like, my offer, I, Drew Locke was a heck of a basketball player, and I suggested a couple months ago that he try out for the Denver Nuggets G League team, but, you know, that's probably going to go un, unheeded. Um, but my issue largely is with Vic Fangio, and Vic Fangio and, and his ever-loving faults came out in spades in this game, into a point where you start to believe that he can't grow. And some of this is going to be actually true because Vic Fangio didn't get his first head coaching job until he was 60. And by the time that Coach Gazette gets to that point, his whatever his flaws are are baked in. You just, you're not going to be able to adjust much from a guy who's 60 years old and getting his first head coaching job. You're counting a lot on it just working immediately. And that's... Mm, I'm 90% sure that's what John Elway was doing when he hired Vic Fangio in 2019. Um, There is a, excuse me, was it 2018 he was hired? Wow. Anyway, um, there is just a, there is just a a level of competence that you can't, it's it's like the Peter Principle, You, you rise to the height of your weakest link. And Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio are the Broncos' weakest links. But this really comes from the top, because the Broncos have no ownership. They're in flux. Uh, John Elway is no longer running the team. George Payton is just in his first year uh, as GM. Um, There is kind of a real question about who will be owning the Broncos. And by the way, folks, don't Brittany Bolin will not be owning this team. Just 100%. She can't afford to. She can't afford to buy out her siblings. She's not going to own this team. Um, There is a, but there is just a base level here that comes from the top. And the organization has been chaotic since Pat Bolin, well, long before Pat Bolin stepped down officially, um, he was really not running the ship because he had Alzheimer's. But more than that, the chaos from the top filters to the coaching t- uh, department, and Vic Fangio is not 
He has proven himself to be un- completely unaware of what's going on as far as time management goes. But more than that, he has empowered Pat Shermer to make inexplicable decisions. Now, people are saying, Jeff, this is a, the Broncos are a three-in-one team. You know, you are what your record is, according to Bill, Bill Parcells, right? But the problem was this, and this is something that, that was 100% going to be a factor with the Broncos this season. Their first three games was going to paper over some absolutely intrinsic flaws this team has that were not improved in the offseason. Namely, Pat Shermer's penchant for going three and four wide and stopping running the ball. Um, when Drew Locke came in for Teddy Bridgewater at halftime, the Broncos were averaging 6.7 yards a rush, and they inexplicably, inexplicably stopped rushing the ball. They only ran the ball four times in the second half. That's not on Drew Locke. That is on Pat Shermer. There is why you would take a, a quarterback who hasn't had a single first-team rep for five weeks and say, you know what, we're just going to sling the ball over. And the Broncos were only down by 10. And that didn't change until late in the third quarter when the, the Ravens kicked a field goal to make it 20-7. Oh, excuse me, that was uh, early, was it early in the fourth? No, it was late in the third. So it was just, it, there, was, there was not a change until then. And Pat Shermer is wanting to have Drew Locke sling it all over the field. Now, Drew Locke didn't perform well. And quite frankly, he's not going to be the future of the Broncos. And neither is Teddy Bridgewater. But Fangio and his completely incompetent clock management and his defense, his vaunted defense basically falling apart in the second half, somewhat hindered by the offense, uh, are his big faults. And Fangio is not a good head coach. And coming back to my point about Malone, at the very least, Malone, even with his flaws, has shown growth as a coach. And he may prove me wrong about hothead coaches, and which I hope he does. On the flip side of this is, quite frankly, Vic Fangio, a 60-year-old perennial head uh, assistant coach who, unlike Wade Phillips, who would always have great seasons to start his coaching stints, he would always have one or two great seasons to start, and then things would just, they would go back to being mediocre because Wade Phillips is not a good head coach. From the beginning, Vic Fangio has proven that he's not, not good, and there, he has shown zero growth. Zero. He is the same coach that he was when the Broncos hired him in 2018. And 2019, yeah. And this is eminently the fact. And it's his third season in the league, and he's the same guy. And Michael Malone, by his third season, had taken a big leap and had grown tremendously as a coach, and Vic Fangio is the same guy. He fired Rick Scangarello because of a personality conflict and sacrificed his offense for that. Now he's got Pat Shermer, who has jumped around the league and had one good season as a, as a coach, which was that 2017 
uh, Minnesota Vikings miracle catch season. Okay, that's it. And the lack of growth on this Broncos team is struggling, is, is troubling, and I think is what's eventually going to bite them in the ass. And one hopes that the Broncos realize this before things get too bad. All right, thank you all for joining me on CSG 500. Um, not much to mark this one. I'm going to have some guests on this month to commemorate uh, 10 years of CSG. So stay tuned, and I hope you stay with us. Bye-bye.